When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. I'm Paul Doolan. There's no Fergus Craig this week, but I am joined on the phone by the lovely Dave Watson. Dave, hello. Hello, Paul. It's nice to be called lovely. Well, you deserve it. Oh, you! How are you? I'm good. How are you? (laughs) Yeah, I'm all right. Uh, Sorry I missed the pod last last week, but uh, yeah, just... Fucking shit! <laughs> you just don't care enough uh, about the club. We get it. No, I couldn't give a couldn't give a fuck. Like, and to be honest, I think I speak for a lot of uh, listeners when I say that it's really hard to be a Newcastle fan right now. Yeah, to get excited about the games. So, were you boycotting the pod last week? Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, it was. A, it, but to be honest, I affected the podcast so much that they cancelled it. So, yeah, there's a lesson. I mean, for there's us a lesson to be there. learned. Yeah. If we just get organised like you did last week, it could all be over. <laughs> um, but you were at the game, yes? Yeah, my first game of the season. And what a game. And? Oof. <laughs> you know, just when you worry that Newcastle are starting to get a bit boring and not play decent football, a game like that comes up. Yeah. It was, we were... We were good. <laughs> it, was, it was awful. <laughs> I didn't think it was too bad at the time. It was a pretty turgid nil-nil. I'd gone along, I'd taken one of my friends who's not a Newcastle fan, and it was quite a handy insight into how delusional I am. Because I sort of turned to him about 40 minutes in and went, well, I think this is quite an even game. And he just shook his head at me. <laughs> didn't even dignify it with a verbal response. It's hard though, because... I mean, we understand why we have to play a certain way, certainly against the teams like Crystal Palace, who've got so much quality going forward. Um, that, uh, was it, uh, like, well, obviously Zaha Townsend, and is it Meyer that they brought on as well? He's, Max Meyer, yeah. Yeah, he, he looks. He sounds he looks made very up. Good. He sounds like someone <laughs> from a, a poorly written comic book. <laughs> or like a regen after like yeah. five games yeah. after, like five years after Messi retired Max Meyer turns up yeah. like Glenn Yeboah um, 
you've you've got you kind of like at any other point in the season, uh, and, and uh, a, a draw away at Crystal Palace, you'd go, ah, fine, it's a good result. But the um, in the context of the our start, it just looks bad. It looks like oh, there's another opportunity to get three points gone. Well, is it though? Because Palace are much stronger than us. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad result. It wasn't a. It was a really dispiriting performance because we've just we've got no attacking threat. And actually, my mate I was no. with as well was just like, he couldn't understand how we were so bad on the ball. Just our retention of the ball and inability to pass. Sort of like he was saying it looked like League One stuff, which I think yeah. is a bit harsh. But we there is. I a, mean, who does he who does he support though? Lincoln City. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and he thought, they're League Two. And he was like, this, yeah. this isn't too different to what I'm used to. Yeah, well, I mean, to, to be fair, though, like the, I was expecting a Spurs fan or an Arsenal fan um, uh, to be to be criticising us. But um, I thought, like, we, we, had a, we didn't have many opportunities, but the one that felt the Perez early doors. That's a great um, chance. It, it was a very good chance, but he just looks bereft of confidence. And, yeah, I he mean, was sort of halfway to falling over when he... I mean, he made the chance himself, which is... Sort of, yeah. I don't know if that's a positive or not. Mm. If you've got a player yeah, that can create sorry, those chances of... but can't take them. I thought I'd made you okay. think. <laughs> I thought, I was, I thought I'd I said something just... interesting. There. I was worried. Um, it was, like I thought you were going to run on for a bit, so I thought, oh, I can, I can sneak a sip of my cup of tea. But uh, no, you, that was that was the you, that's that's the thing I like about you, Paul. You, you've mastered the art of brevity, whereas I have yet to come close to understanding yeah. it. Um, but you know that. So we made an opportunity, and yes, we carved it out ourselves. But the the important thing I think for for us is that um, defensively we looked. We looked good for the majority of the game. And yeah. we kept, I mean, we kept Zaha so quiet he had to swip, uh, swip. He had to swap um, flanks because he was getting no joy out of Yedlin, which is impressive because Yedlin's not very good defensively. He, yeah. he's, you know, and then he, he he tried to get some more joy off Dummett, which is <laughs> I didn't think I'd be saying this a couple of years ago, but. I fancy Dummett to keep someone like Zaha quiet, you know, just yeah. Dum- kind of- Dummett's not a worry defensively. It was interesting Zaha because I went to. I've got a few mates that are Palace season ticket holders, so I went to their pub afterwards, and they were just saying Zaha was the worst they've seen him for quite a while. And it looked they didn't think he was actually going to start because he pulled out of the warm up with a it looked like a back or a neck injury. So I'm not oh, sure okay. he was a hundred percent, but he was. The weird thing was Zaha, I don't I know they showed one of them on match of the day, but he just he seemed to keep objecting to being tackled. As though he needed yeah. to be protected from it. I'm not quite sure what he thought like I don't know why he thought that was rude of people to try and tackle him. <laughs> Did you <laughs> see the one where he's complaining like... to the linesman after a Fernandez sliding tackle that won the Which ball. was a great tackle. Yeah. Fernandez, I um, think, was man of the match for us. He we should probably talk a bit about him. Or should we carry on with Zaha? This is the problem, Dave. Yeah. I'm all over the place. No, it's fine. It's fine. I think with, with Zaha, I think there is a, uh, certainly a narrative that he's trying to put out that he's um, getting fouled loads. He's not getting the protection from the, the referees. And he, his quote was, "You've got to. I'd have to have a broken leg uh, to get a, a penalty or a red card or something. And 
I was honestly expecting one of two things. Either uh, for him to get, like, for one of our boys to go uh, go in on, on him a bit hard and, and pick up a, a red card or give away a penalty. Or the yeah. other way, which is for him to take a tumble and get done for diving. I thought, you know, it was, I didn't know which one, to be honest, I was wrong on both counts. But <laughs> the, uh, Not necessarily, though, because again, it, it didn't come across on the highlights, but he won a lot of fr- very dangerous free kicks just outside the box, which were yeah. 50-50s, a lot of them. I think there was a little bit of that probably in the referee's mind. And the booking for Yedlin wasn't yeah. a yellow no. card. No, I, I did worry. Once Yedlin got a booking, you sort of thought that could be it now. But Richard it wasn't just doubled long after up that. defensively. I'm trying to think, was that... Um... Was that roughly the same? It wasn't long after that that he swapped flanks, was it? I don't I know, remember. actually. I realise when Come I watch on. a game live, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so, I, I agree with you. Like, watching it on the TV, um, and maybe we'll come along to that in a bit, because I put a question out on Twitter about um, what's your big TV memories of watching football, and I left it open at football, because, you know, it could have been England or something else. Yeah. But, um, Watching on football, uh, watching on TV, you because you get to see things from a load of different angles. Because you get to see things in slow motion, you do get a, like a sense of the decisions, which way they're going and stuff. And obviously, when the commentators are are pointing stuff out that maybe you've missed, like um, I don't know, maybe like Zaha swapping flanks, it might take you a while to spot that, or maybe one of the players is playing a more um, withdrawn role or something. You, you, you kind of rely on them to pick that up. Um, but to when be honest, again, I spent you know, most of the second half watching, I think, the funniest fan I've ever seen. <laughs> there were about 10 people just watching him, not the game. This little kid in the Crystal Palace stand who just stood on his seat for the whole thing, dancing and doing faces at Newcastle fans. He was, he was my man <laughs> of the match. Really? Yeah. He, was, um, he was quite something. I have to mention, like, uh, we'll talk about Fernandes in a second, but, like, Rondon going off injured, um, that's a worry because Hosselu, for all he's a likeable bloke and stuff, we've said it before, he, he works hard and he's, he's likeable, but he's just not. He's our top scorer. Quality. I think... Well, yeah, but... If, the tricky if thing with Rondon is not knowing how fit he's been for any... He doesn't seem like he's been particularly fit for any games. I I don't worry about us missing Rondon at the minute because he's looked shit, mm. but then he's probably looked shit because he's not fit, so yeah. we need to miss him. The other thing, which uh, I'm not sure how well it came across to people watching on streams or listening, Lascelles had two amazing chances, like almost free headers from corners. Mm. There didn't seem to be much made of that, but we, he should have at least scored one. Yeah, pretty much unmarked in the middle of the box. I mean, that's that was uh, something that we could rely on last season. Yeah, he, he, he was very good at uh, set. Pe- well, we we as a team were very good at set pieces, and it doesn't look like we've we've carried that on into this season. And the only thing yeah. I can think is because there's been a change um, at the back and a change. Maybe, maybe there's different instructions. Maybe there's different routines that we're doing and it's not quite clicking and like like you say like Lascelles had a couple of decent opportunities and that could also be he's not 100% sharp yet I don't know 
Yeah, really there's a lot of our players looking a lot less sharp than last season. Kennedy, in particular, just had another oh. pretty anonymous game. Well, that's one thing I was going to ask you. It's like, what exactly do Muto and Murphy need to do to to actually get get some game time, like some proper game time? Because yeah, I think away games weirdly. Kennedy you sort of think of as a very flamboyant attacking player, but because he can play positionally, he's quite good defensively as well. Like he's quite often been played as a wing back before. I think yeah. against games where we're not expected to dominate possession, he seems to get in because he can cover, but he's not really earning his place in the team. And you feel like Murphy at least deserves a bit more of a chance. He's looked decent. And actually Especially even Atsu when... when he came on looked fairly good. Kennedy this then, season doesn't seem to be taking players on, whereas that was his main thing last year. Yeah, and you, Murphy must be looking. Murphy and Muto are seeing like Atu going on and getting get more game time than they do because he he's been a regular substitute for us. Like they must be thinking, oh come on, I'm better than this fucking chump. Um, yeah, I think they are. Um, I mean, we spent like thirty percent of our budget on Muto. But I think Muto is more of a replacement for Gale, which is I, I'd quite like to see him. I mean, if he's not getting picked ahead of Rondon or Hosselu, then a, there's probably a reason why. But and he's not quite assimilated to the league yet. Mm. I would like to see that. Cause one thing I felt with Rondon and with Hosselu, we're missing a lot of what we had last season with Dwight Gale, whereas we had an outball. Shelby looks a lot weaker now because there's nobody making the runs that his passing can actually unlock you look at Gale mm. last season he wasn't getting the goals but he was getting into dangerous positions just yeah. and Shelby had someone to pass to Kennedy's not making those runs anymore Richie's not really quick enough our main attacking no. out ball from Shelby seems to be DeAndre Yedlin yeah and that's I mean if, if your right back is your main attacking outlet then then you've got massive problems. I think you've one got of the a big lot of shit is... up front. I think. Is <laughs> but then you look at the centre of the park, and you know we don't, we're not controlling it like we did. Certainly at the end of last season, at the second half of last season, Diame was a monster, and he's, yeah, he's, he's he's not been the worst player on the pitch this season, but he hasn't came close to to his form of last season. Um, yeah, he was okay. I thought on Saturday compared to some of the games I've seen him in this season. Mm. It was one of his better ones. I think he benefited from having Shelby there. I think once Shelby's up to fitness, that partnership can hopefully pick up where it left off. But I think everybody looks a bit weaker because there's just, there's nothing up top to aim for. No, I mean, we've got Hosloo trying an overhead kick. Um, That's, that's reeks of desperation, doesn't it? Yeah. He was I mean, just we thinking said about it, the YouTube couple... compilation. <laughs> well, we said a, a couple of uh, pods ago that um, like that's not what we want Hosloo to be doing. Just stick to what you're good at. And when you find out what that is, stick to it. He's, like, his like... season so far, he's got two pretty decent goals, which for us is the equivalent of 10. <laughs> I don't know. I, I... Yes, he scored a couple of goals and they were well taken for what, for what it's worth, but... He hasn't done it, you know. He hasn't looked like scoring and been denied by good keeping or anything. His, his overall plays. Yeah, but who has? Down. We don't. We don't really no, create enough chances. Is the issue? At least he's taken 
a fairly good percentage of the ones he's had. Yeah. Comparing to like, I really like Perez, but Perez doesn't look anything near the player he was second half of last season. No, you're right. But then you look at look at like so I had a look at last season and just comparing like our start to 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 like a comparable comparable fixtures from last season. So like Spurs at home um, for Cardiff, I just used Huddersfield because you know and that was you know. Huddersfield away, we lost, didn't we? Cardiff, we did. Yeah, yeah. So in 17-18, we, we lost 2-0 at, uh, at home to Spurs. We'd lost away to Huddersfield. We, we did beat Chelsea 3-0 at home, but that was the end of the season. We lost 3-1 away at Man City. We did beat Arsenal 2-1 at home, um, but again, that was the latter half of the season, and we, we drew with Palace away. So there isn't a there isn't a great deal of difference in terms of. Did you mention Chelsea at home there? Yeah, we yeah. We, we beat Chelsea at home, but like I say, that was the last game of the season when Conte was a dead robber. Yeah, you know? that's still but five dead more what points. Lane Dock, that's what I meant. Five more points from six games, I think. Yeah, I think in trying to we make did. one point, you've quite successfully made the opposite point. No, no, in no. no. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to say. We've started, like, compared to last season, we started badly. But then you look at the, the, the fixtures that we had in the 18, like the first six fixtures of the 18, uh, 17, 18 season, and it was, it was four relegation candidates, one yeah. mid-table team, and Spurs. So we had, like, Huddersfield, Stoke, Swansea, and West Ham, the first six fixtures. And we, we finished those six with nine points. But... Those teams were shit. Yeah, I feel started. a bit like Steve McLaren here. I do think mm. judges after sort of ten games because the the first, judging our season off these first six games is a bit like judging saving Private Ryan on the opening like ten minutes. It's not. <laughs> it's not all going to be shooting. There's going to be no. like nicer <laughs> moments. It's going to be a bit calmer at times. There's going to be a bit with the piano. It's going to yeah. everything's going to change. And then you also, Cardiff at home. You look, <laughs> but the um, the the thing that I'm taking from it is that we've got those fixtures out, kind of out the way. Like those those God, those four fixtures against the top six sides. At any point in the season, you'd expect us to struggle. And the other two fixtures, well, we've got a point each. So. I don't know. Like, yes, it would have been great to start with, um, start as we did last season, but that's just—it's not going to happen, really. Not yeah. with not with that. And you've got to look at other teams like um, like Huddersfield and Burnley. Uh, they haven't picked up any any points in the games that you'd expect them to. Like Huddersfield have played Cardiff at home, Palace at home, and they've only got one point. Burnley have had Fulham away, Watford at home, Southampton away, Bournemouth at home, and they've only got four points. And even but actually like, Fulham as well, they've not had that difficult a run in. And for all the, the goals they're scoring, they're not... They're conceding loads. Yeah. They've only had one win, I think. And so it's... Yeah, it's... it's My tricky thing at the moment is trying to figure out how good or bad we are off these six games. Because I felt quite confident at the start of the season there'd be three worse teams than us this season. I think there's definitely mm. two in Huddersfield and Cardiff, but I think we just need a few more games to calibrate how good or shit we are. But then I think the the difference between us and the teams above us is 
we've had a much hard like I, yeah. I honestly think we've had the hardest start in the league and we haven't we haven't been we've not not in one game have we been blown away like this Cardiff got spanked five nil um, by Man City on the weekend now those four extra you know goals that they conceded compared to like you know the, the goal difference of four there um, that could be it could be irrelevant because they finished rock bottom or whatever but it might be important to come the end of the season and it means that in the next, you know, 32 games, we've already played them so there are easier fixtures for us to pick up the points to, to, to drag us into into mid-table. Whereas, like I say, like um, like uh, Huddersfield and Burnley, they're not picking up points and they've yet to go to the, you know, to face all the big boys and to... to to try and get something out of a, a an away game at Arsenal with five games to go when Arsenal are going for the Europa spot or something is a much bigger, much bigger ask, and they could get spanked. And yeah, so I'm 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 confident that we'll stay up based on. I see you thinking my my sort of worry is because we're all about defensive organisation and limiting teams. We're good mm. enough at the back to only lose by one goal to better teams. Yeah. And bad enough up front to not win games we should win. But I would say so far from yeah. our six games, I don't think we've been favourite with the bookies for any of them. Maybe Cardiff away we would have been. Palace we definitely wouldn't have been. So it's no, not like I we're agree. completely underperforming. No. And we've, uh, the, the thing is that the tough run doesn't stop. We've got two more tough fixtures before I think we go on a on a more... I don't know, on a run of games against, on a more even keel, where we, I mean, we've got Leicester next, and we'll come on to them much later in the pod. Yeah. And after that, we've got Man U away, which n- nobody fancies uh, a trip to Man U. Like, e- even, you know, even Chelsea and Liverpool and stuff won't fancy that. So, I think there's, I there's worse places to have to go. I think there's yeah, It depends. It depends what's going on in the Man U sort of soap opera that week. Yeah, yeah, true. And I'm not sure how that that fixture falls. I don't know. Like, I can't remember if it's um, oh, with European you know, games. Yeah, European game or or what? I, I don't know if there's a break or if whatever. I don't know, but um, it could be it, it could be one of those fucking games that sometimes. W- this Benitez side can pull out where we're back to the wall for 90 minutes, but Lascelles gets the one corner that we, um, we, we win and puts it in the back of the net. I don't know. It could be, but I don't, I'm not looking forward to it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold off. Like you say, I'm going to McLaren it and I'm just going to hold off yeah. until we've played 10 games. Um, cause we're playing. Okay. We're not playing. It's only really the Cardiff yeah. game where we, as a team, we were bad. Against Palace, the defence was decent. It was just up front that we had nothing. Um, yeah, and again, well, I, I think wonder... a lot of that smacks, or not smacks of, but comes from the fact that we did our business late in the window again. So there's no yeah. there's no preparation time. Once no. Rondon's actually got his fitness, maybe if Muto's come into it a bit more, then maybe we'll see. I mean, Kennedy's a worry, but let's not go over that again the other big talking point from the game was Mike Ashley in the stands I don't know whether Rafa invited him 
or not? <laughs> Damn it, you, you, oh, you got there too quick. Oh, yeah. sorry. <laughs> was, his first was, game for 16 months. It's an interesting one to go to because it's not like... like and for the, for the four of them to go together, so it was, it was Ashley Barnes, Bishop and Charnley. Yeah. They were all there together. It was a London club, but... You know, in in two games' time, you've got a trip away to Old Trafford, which I would have assumed would be more. I I can only guess that Crystal Palace has the best buffet in the corporate <laughs> facilities. You look at those four men, and they would they would worry a buffet. <laughs> but I mean, they would put that all you can eat to the fucking yeah. test, wouldn't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There'd be some chefs sweating on that. <laughs> Some restaurant just owners give them more crackers. Just give them more crackers. <laughs> going through the accounts as I see them coming and thinking this one, this could send us over the edge. <laughs> but it, I'm not going to. God, there's, but there's that little kernel of hope because there's been mooted talk in the papers about uh, renewed interest, and um, there's been stuff put out, but obviously put out by the Ashley Camp saying that he's he's lowered his valuation to 300 million. So there's little seeds, and now I'm 99% sure nothing. It doesn't matter. It was just a coincidence. They were all in the city at the same time. You know, most of them, I mean, Ashley spends most of his time in London. I'm guessing Keith Bishop does, and so does Justin Barnes. And He's the Bishop Neil of Soho. Goldberg. I mean, he is the Bishop of Soho. It's quite weird to see, like, they're the four most influential people at our club. Mm. And... One of them, we've no idea what he does with Justin Barnes. Like, it's never been explained what his role is. There's nothing official. Yeah. He's got no Newcastle no. United job title. No. And a PR man who, like, if he's so good at PR, why does he seem like such a twat? I think would be. <laughs> but then, to be fair, have you ever known of a, a famous PR person who wasn't a bit of a twat? Mm, uh... I can't really think well, what, of many. Max Hastings. What was that? that yeah, I was thinking of that Max, but I couldn't remember his surname. But no, they're all they're all twats, aren't they? But it could just be that they were down for a meeting because it doesn't sound like they had a sit down with Benitez. No, it seems pretty clear they didn't chat to him. I, like, I've been trying to think about it. I can't figure out why Mike Ashley would go. Like, why has no. he gone to that game? There's no reason. There's no. It's hard to get optimistic or pessimistic about him being there. It's, it just seems like a really weird decision. It's like something Putin would do to get you thinking, like, there's no way of predicting what's going on here, so we might as well stop paying attention. <laughs> I mean, it's not even like Crystal's is still open, no. so they weren't going there for the, for the nightclub attached to Crystal Palace's ground. No. It's just weird. No, I don't, I don't understand why, it's, why they were there. Um, but it is, it is. It could be. It could have just been a show of strength. You know. A, a, you know. We're all here together. We're, we're backing each other. I, I, I don't know why they would feel the need to. They did look sort Keegan's, of puffed up and chest out, but then they are quite fat men, puffy and yeah, <laughs> puffy and chesty. But then it could be like because Keegan's autobiography is being serialised yes. in the Times, and if anybody's not seen the excerpts yet I would recommend you read them because it is damning absolutely damning and 
I wouldn't be entirely shocked if there were investigations into impropriety. Well, I think um, let's leave a little cliffhanger there and talk about that ooh. after these adverts. Newcastle Natter is lubricated by Watney's Pale Ale. Watney's Pale Ale, the Newcastle Natter Beer of the Month. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Hello and welcome back to the Newcastle Natter. I'm still here with Dave Watson. Hello. Hello, Paul. We had some advertising messages there. Personally, I don't like to hear adverts in a podcast. I think it sullies it. I would never shill a product. That said, I'm just going to open a cool, refreshing Watney's beer. Oh, <laughs> oh, that is foamy. It's a Watney's Pale Ale, Dave. Have you ever heard of this beer? Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say what's come into my head. Watney's is back. It's brewed again in London by a bunch of friends hell-bent on crafting great modern beers. And it's delicious, Dave. You're annoyed, aren't am, you? Because it's the first time we've had any benefit of advertising. I get free I beer when you're in Manchester. I am foaming. I'm foaming more than a... Foaming like a smooth Watney's Pale Ale. Carry on. <laughs> how, how... Like, fuck you. How are you getting free beer? <laughs> when I was down there, it was Ladbrokes. Oh, hey. You got you got a lot of free tiny blue pens. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually quite uh, nice, much much as it pains me to say it. I was hoping it would be disgusting. Yeah. I was hoping it was going to be terrible as well, but you oh, I'm 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 lit I, I can't think straight. I'm that angry. You're that desperate for a refreshing Watney's and who can blame you? Watney's. Right, we left on a cliffhanger. Out. Kevin Keegan's book which has yeah. been serialised in the Times I mean he's had a lot to my, say my god <laughs> I, like I say everybody should read it and I don't want to like, like ruin it by um, by mangling his quotes and stuff but essentially I mean he's, he's saying that what we already kind of knew which was like Cisco and um, uh, Ignacio Gonzalez were were signed over his head, and that, uh, like, certainly Gonzalo, Gonzalez was signed based on a YouTube clip to, as a favor to some South American agents. Yeah. Um, and like I say, I wouldn't be shocked if the FA had a, had a look at that. You'd hope so. It, it cannot be anything other than bringing the game into disrepute by by signing a player that you are from the off from the outset saying we're not we're not going to play you don't have to play him he can rot in the reserves for all we care we're buying him to curry favor with agents that has to be that has to be investigated you would hope effect. but then i think looking at our recent history certain signings i the signing of Paul Dalgleish by Kenny Dalgleish stands out as one that maybe wasn't all about footballing ability. Or Kenny Dalgleish's sure. friend Ian Rush by Kenny Dalgleish. <laughs> well, no, I can, I can understand Rush and Barnes, and while I don't agree with their signings, I can you can make an argument because Rush was an experienced striker and, and Barnes was a great talent and has plenty of experience. 
hold out leashes, you know, without a doubt, that was nepotism. Without, without a shadow of doubt. No, it was a footballing but, decision, Dave. <laughs> but there is a huge difference between signing somebody's son for, I think we only paid like a hundred grand for him, a couple hundred grand maybe. It wasn't a lot of money. Um, and he wasn't on big wages. And he was still a young player when we had him. So he had the potential to be a little bit better. But, <laughs> but there's a huge difference between that and signing Cisco, who was shit before we signed him, was shit after we signed on him. 60 and grand a shit. week as well, Cisco. I didn't realise. 60 grand a week. Fucking obscene. It does seem I mean, more than a little shady, but then Premier League football. I think a lot of clubs will have similar deals to that and just don't have former managers as morally correct as Kevin Keegan who would actually call out what's happened. You look at the career of Harry Redknapp or Sam Allardyce and there'll be more than a few skeletons in there. But just because other people are doing bad things doesn't mean that... No, no, we I should I, be absolved of guilt. And, and, and I suppose, like, you look at Chelsea and they signed uh, Romelu Lukaku, but they also did they. No, sorry, they, they signed. You think of Thorgan Hazard? They, they signed Thorgan Hazard. Didn't, didn't they sign Lukaku's younger brother as well? Not sure. A left back. I might be wrong. I, I could be completely wrong. But basically, there are things in, in football where the players obviously Is it not Luke? signed for. Was it what Luke Lukaku? <laughs> no, it wasn't Luke Lukaku. No. You, are you drunk off that Watney's? You can't get drunk on Watney's. You can just get high on the smooth <laughs> Watney's taste. Four point two percent Watney's. <laughs> but this is this is my thing. Is like there, there's there's obviously shades of grey, but this is so black that it it can't be excused. It surely must be investigated. Yeah, you would and, hope. And, I mean, could we still be paying for that stupid decision now? I mean, is there an argument that these silly signings, like Ferreira, like... Um, well, this is the thing uh, I hadn't like realised. I'd seen, I think people were saying this online, Ferreira was basically signed as a favour to Colacini to get him out of the Ukraine when everything was kicking off there. Because it was very unstable. There were a lot of Shakhtar players leaving at the time, and we came in and bought Chucky. Yeah, which was very, yeah. I, My main annoyance with this stuff that's come out about uh, these two players is basically, when did we, why are we so tight with agents? And so many times now we hear like Mike Ashley's just disgusted with the amount of money that agents are asking for and it's why a lot of deals aren't getting done. When did we stop being willing to just throw money away literally for nothing? Like this is my point. Is that the reason? Because he was stung by thinking that he was getting going to get a good deal from these South American agents, and them stinging him has, yeah. has made him like just shut the door on it entirely and think that they're all like that because they're not. There are some average everyday agents who do a good job and don't try to screw everybody over too much. Um, yeah. So it, it could it could be a reaction to that, but the. The only people that suffer are the managers and the fans. Like the the players, like Ignacio Gonzalez couldn't give a shit that he was. I think he played like twenty eight minutes or something like that. And that was it, and then he was sent off to wherever he's ended up, probably 
second division in the Czech Republic or something. But There's another example of something going wrong with the way the clubs run. And rather than Mike Ashley seeing the clear lesson there, which is get a manager who knows what they're doing and listen to them, he's mm. gone the other way and gone, don't give money to agents. Yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre because the only person he seems to have given money to, like... And let them buy the, the like the type of players that they want was McLaren, and you thought that's not somebody who's going to kick up a big fuss in the in the. It's in even the more baffling looking back now the the whole the amount of money that was given over to Steve McLaren. I mean, there's not yeah. much logic really to it, apart from he was probably the no. most malleable manager. Although we had Pardew. But Who then that, that's the thing. Like but, but the only transfers that you can attribute to Pardew during his time here, I think, was James Perch and Gabriel Obertan. Yeah, Obertan, we've mentioned this before in the pod, but Pardew was quite proud of getting Obertan because Alex Ferguson had told him he was a good footballer. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking mentally. I mean, yeah. uh, this, is, this is, I think this feeds into that little kernel of hope, that tiny little morsel that I cling to, that perhaps a sales on the cards and stuff like that, because he's got so many fucking things wrong. And he's he missed that. No, but it's costing him money. And it's and it's I mean we are I think there's only a couple of teams in the Premier League who don't have a Chiefs a sleeve sponsor. And the reason for that is the same reason that nobody took on the um, the stadium naming rights other than Wonga, and nobody won. It's because Sports Direct and, by extension, Mike Ashley are a toxic brand, and yeah. nobody wants like nobody reasonable wants to be associated with them. So you don't have the the tire companies and the, the finance companies and the I don't know like the legitimate betting sites or whatever. Like, you've got low-rent stuff and, and bargain basement who you just selling their soul to get a little bit of attention. So it's costing him money. It's it's so much of a ball. Like, the Sports Direct share price is, is taking a hammering, and it might be entirely unrelated to the, the protests that are going on, but it will be related to the amount of negative press that... Sports Direct and also Mike Ashley have been receiving recently. Yeah, and not it does feel like that's gone. Stuff. Yeah, it feels like the House of Fraser purchase has more pushed that, but it doesn't really matter be, what yeah. gets in the negative press as long as it does, because that's only going to yeah. give us more hope. My worry is we've been here before. Ashley yeah. getting bad press suddenly says, Oh, I'm willing to sell the club for less than I want. Yeah. Then there won't be a buyer, but it'll, it'll rail on through the transfer window, so it'll be a good excuse for him not to spend any money in January. And then he'll decide, well, nobody came in, so I'm still in control of the club. Yeah. And you and you, you see the, the reports about Benitez won't sign a new contract unless assurances are given. And the only assurances that I can assume that would be good enough for, for Rafa Benitez is essentially autonomy. And yeah. he says... I, I, I dictate who we buy. I have a budget that comes from whatever I sell and a portion of what I earn through prize money. I get to choose. I decide the wages. I do this, I do that, I do the other. 
And frankly, I just I can't see Mike Ashley letting somebody have con- control, which is mental, because this is the person that you could trust. Yeah, I think crucially Benitez as well, might... Benitez would want assurances in writing, which is what he wanted over yeah. the summer. And Mike Ashley would be happy to give assurances if they weren't put down in a document that he could then be sued over when he does eventually renege on it and lie. Yeah. But it's just not going to happen. We're, I just, yeah. We've, we've been here every week. I don't think Benitez is going to be here at the end of, or no. beyond the end of the season. I wouldn't blame him. If you think he's stuck with us and went down into the championship with us and there's been no effort from the board to repay him and this Keegan cut stuff coming out at the same time just highlights how little change there's been in the running. The other fun revelation was, was it Tony Jimenez? Who I can't remember mm-hmm. what role he had at the club, but overruling Keegan in signing Luka Modric because he thought he was just too lightweight as a footballer. It's, it's bizarre. It's, it's so nuts. Like, genuinely, if you... If I'd heard this from Harry down the pub, I'd be saying, oh, fuck off, man. You're just... Yeah. You're talking shit. There is no way some ex... I don't know what Tony Jimenez was. Wasn't he a bouncer at one point? He, but, he's like, the one who was a steward who was at Chelsea, who was in with Dennis yeah, Wise, wasn't he? Yeah. There's no way... Maybe it was part of like a concerted that. transfer policy to just sign the fattest players available. <laughs> We're going in for Andy Reid at Knott's Forest. Well, if that was the case, we never would have sold fat Mark Viduka. That's true. Maybe he was the blueprint. But then, like, you wouldn't believe it, but it's true. Because, A, because it's, like, it's, with the benefit of hindsight, we can see that it's fucking true. But also, Kevin Keegan said it, and Kevin Keegan could, could tell me that the, the moon landing was fake, and I, I believe him because I just don't think he's got it in him to lie to the Newcastle public. He not, would, he not. would lie about moon landings. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he would. I'd be interested to know the circumstances why Kevin Keegan's approaching you to tell you the truth about the moon landings. But who knows? The man, ran, the man ran a soccer circus, Dave. There's, there's room for lies in him, but I don't think. Well, it's been proven legally that the club lied intentionally yeah. to the fans and to Keegan. And to the press and everything else. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, I, the annoying thing I, is, I, you I, know nothing has changed from that to now. And we're still under investigation no. for the tax thing that's going on. So yeah. part of me just I hopes mean, we get done for that deducted points and relegated. But only no, because I, only because it would teach Ashley a lesson, but then you realise it wouldn't. Yeah, I would say the only the only way to... The only thing I would want is for the parties involved, i.e. Charnley, Ashley, perhaps Wise, Jimenez, Lambias, and whoever else, for them to be personally held responsible for it and fined or told that they're not allowed to own the football club. Like, um, what's his chops at, uh, at Leeds was a couple of times he was banned from owning oh, a football the Italian club. Oh, the Italian guy. Is it him yeah, or Ken failed. Bates? No, Ken Bates not is still knocking both. around, isn't it? But then you, you you want them to be you want the FA and the Premier League to you know have standards and to say that this person is not fit and proper to own a football club because a football club isn't just 
a business. I appreciate that, you know, a big, big slice of it is now, but it's also, it has community Yeah, it's a community um, responsibilities. But yeah. then you look at the fit and proper person test, it's not really fit for purpose. Who is the Man City owner? Is it Sinoatra? Oh, Faction Sinoatra, yeah. Yeah, there's been plenty of unfit and improper owners. But then that's, that's, that's fine, but then he was found, like, he was found guilty of, like, tax fraud or, or what, embezzling or something in his home country and was found by the FA to be, you know, unfit and improper. And that's why he sold to Sheikh Mansour. Oh. So they did force him. I mean, he was probably going to go to jail or something, but he he wasn't allowed to own a football club. Now there are there are worse owners in the country than ours. There are. Yeah. Um, you look at Blackpool, Blackpool, Charlton. Yeah, the, these guys are. So what you're saying is be careful what you wish for. I agree, actually. That's a really good <laughs> <laughs> That is the worst point anybody ever makes. When you hear it, it's oh, normally only like talk sport pundits. So oh, be careful what be careful what you wish for. And then you look you could ask any other Premier League fan, would you swap your owner for ours? And nobody would say yes. No. You could ask most fans in the championship and aside from a select few from the northeast. Nobody would want Mike Ashley. No. Because the, the, the overriding thing with Mike Ashley is an, a total lack of ambition. And every football club has to be ambitious for it to be worth supporting. God, we've ended up here again, haven't we? Oh, God. It felt like we again. weren't going to, but yeah. He's got to yeah. go. He probably won't, <laughs> but he will eventually. And he will. it's going to be a big he party. I didn't realise he was at the game when I was watching the game did you not hear all the chants well yeah there were a lot but there were a lot of anti-Ashley chants pre-match before anybody knew he was there I just thought people were really getting into it Mm -hmm. but yeah it was it was vociferous good and a lot of anti Adam Johnson chants as well (laughs) the one I'd never heard where they they managed to rhyme Johnson with nonsing which I didn't know nonsing was a verb but (laughs) <laughs> to nonce yeah. I nonced no no wait you no. nonced he she nonced <laughs> they nonced <laughs> um, yeah I think the I think the pressure from the stands and stuff doesn't really make any difference no. like the singing of the song is not going to bother him not being there might yeah who knows but that shall we go to is... twitter Yes. Oh, God, yeah, good point. We did say on Twitter, any questions? Let me just get the, the Natter Twitter thing up, unless you want to jump in, if you've got any... Yeah, there. yeah, sure. Um, so I asked about like your first, like your best football memory of watching it on TV, because I get that like a lot of people can't watch it live, like at, at the stadium, and um, uh, Chris... Uh, like us nearly week. every week. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he says that his first memory of watching a live Newcastle game was the 99 FA Cup semi-final versus Spurs at Old Trafford. He says, I can remember the tension of extra time and how loud my, how loud my dad, uh, a Geordie who emigrated here to Canberra in 1983, was when Shearer banged in the first penalty, although I don't really remember the goal. I also remember seeing how insane the fans had gone and all the singing afterwards. From that game, though, Shearer's second goal still gives me goosebumps and put the tears in my eyes. The joyful yell from my dad and the noise of the crowd was amazing. 
I remember that goal yeah. very dearly. That was that. That's basically the one where it breaks down the left. Silvio Maric did the one good thing he Silvio ever did in the black Maric, and white shirt. Yeah, and he passed it uh, passed it across to Alan Shearer, who he cut across the ball and it arced beautifully into the top right hand corner from about twenty yards, twenty five yards. It was absolute peach. And that and was under Rude Hullet, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah. For some reason, I always assume that's way before Hullet came in. It's just, it's just crazy. Just absolutely, yeah. That was that was special. That was absolutely yeah. special. Oh, never mind. <laughs> in response to your question as well, Bedford Mag wrote in say, "I can remember watching a stream of Newcastle on the PC. We hadn't scored a goal in about nine games and were staring relegation down the throat." Cissé scored in the 93rd minute and I jumped up cheering then burst into tears and fell on the floor. The wife just stepped over me. <laughs> Which, As she has been doing for your entire marriage. But I think it, it paints a, a picture of pretty much every football fan where we're... Oh, yeah. We're, we're quite pathetic, aren't we? <laughs> well, I remember being in a pub in Newcastle for the Feyenoord game oh, God. Um, that ended 3-2 in the Champions League. The Bellamy... Um, Oh my god! Like, because we were still because essentially there was various permutations that had to happen for us to to go through to the next round, and um, we needed Juventus to win away at Kiev. I'm pretty sure it was Dynamo Kiev, and um, Kiev were like unbeaten at home. That, Juventus were already through and were good, and were had fielded like a a very weakened side. We needed to beat Feyenoord. Feyenoord had Feyenoord just needed a draw, I'm pretty sure. And we went 2-0 up. They came back into it and drew 2-2. And we were we were hammering at them, but they were pretty resolute. And when the ball went through for for for, um, for Dyer, um, he was it was one on one and you thought, this is it, this is it. And then the keeper made, you know, it wasn't a great shot, it wasn't a great save. But when he palmed it out, Bellamy was at a really acute angle. And the, I'll never forget the commentary because the the, the commentator went so high pitched, and it sounded like it was back in the days where I think the it might have been on Channel Five. I think it was where, like ITV something, wasn't was it? it? Back then, I can't but remember. But it was. Actually. It's when the the commentators wanted all all of the teams in the from England to do well in the in the Champions League, and like I remember Jonathan Wilson going bananas on Channel Five. Um, for oh, a Jonathan Pierce. Jonathan Pierce, sorry, not Jonathan Wilson. Jonathan Pierce going absolutely bananas. And this, the, the commentator, when he screams Bellamy, the, the pub that I was in just went mental. And it wasn't this like we throw the beers in the uh, beers in the air. It was just limbs everywhere, grown men falling all over each other, and like that. We, me and my mate, were standing there watching it with a young lad who I think he's out on his own, but he was out on his own. And we've been chatting them through the game, and like we lifted them up and carrying them around and stuff like that. It was, it was you stole the child. <laughs> we stole the child. <laughs> we ran down That's what you do I after the you. great games. You, know, you have a skin full and you steal a child. After, after an unlikely Champions League win, you have to steal a child. Um, but yeah, this, that, this idea of getting people to tell us their like favourite memories. I really like, but it's making me so much more depressed about where the crowd is now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking back to games in the early noughties under Robson, or was it uni, just thinking, like, oh, I'd, I'd pay good money to go back to 
that now. Oh yeah. Well, just like stupid. Even in ones where I've got it's YouTube. a normal league it's fine. game. I I remember that season under under Robson where so often we would go a goal behind, mostly because we had tight fucking bramble in the yeah. in defence. But we always seemed to come out on top, and there was never there was always a sense that I like oh we're going to go down, but we'll score. Like, oh, we'll get back into this. There was always yeah. that, that confidence, and it was just throughout the team, everybody from Aaron Hughes at the back to bloody Loire Loire coming on, and <laughs> Stephen Glass, and uh, just all of Stephen that. Glass, I had a very soft spot for. I thought he was a, a great winger who just suddenly disappeared. Wow, you, you've got you've got form for like <laughs> yeah. John Dahl like. Thomas and Stephen Glass, <laughs> CM Young. <laughs> I, was, I was about to lump Dabazas into that group but he was actually no, a no, very no, no, good player no, no. yeah 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 okay <laughs> but yeah um, if anybody's got any other memories just just to like cheer, cheer to keep up the optimism up to... Leon Steed's got in touch on Twitter to say I think I've given up on this club until the fact controller <laughs> leaves can't face this painful shite any longer <laughs> <laughs> Is he talking about <laughs> the football of this podcast? Well, he'd have a point with both, I think. Yeah, Christ, it is it is fucking depressing. Which is why I'm saying, if anybody's got any other any other like memories of, of stuff like that, just send them in. Not even about Newcastle, just happy memories. Tell us about your yeah, weddings. Yeah, the birth of your first child. Anything to get us out of this. Slightly more optimistic. God, Tony Armstrong on Twitter got in touch. Lost four V top six sides, equals expected. Drew two away V sides expected to be bottom ten, our direct competitors. No goals conceded, equals so far so good. Eight more games V top six, probably pick up three points. And then this bit, bottom 13, if on average we get 80% home wins and draw 80% away, equals 41 points, should be okay. That 80%... Home wins against bottom thirteen worries me, but I, th- there's a lot to unpack in that message. But I think he's sort of making the point that we were making earlier as well that it's these first six games we've had aren't quite enough to judge us on. No, he's right. Like, and as I said, that we've we've got almost half of our toughest fixtures out of the way in the first, you know, in the first six games. Even Crystal Palace away is a tough game. So we've got Cardiff at home to come. We've got Huddersfield home and away. We've got um, Crystal Palace at home. We've got Brighton at home, a Brighton away, Bournemouth at home. There's, there's lots of lots of fixtures we can look at, identify as, right, we can get three points there if we play this way or play that way. And Benitez is tactically astute enough to, to pick his battles and to get us the, the 36 and a half points that we need to stay up, which is shit, and everybody yeah. knows it's shit, but it's, it's where we're at. I've got we some live some live Tony Jimenez news. Luka, yeah. Luka Modric has just won the FIFA Best Player of 2018. <laughs> 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 As we record this... <laughs> He's a bit lightweight for me, I think. I don't, I don't think oh, he's up to much. Make it. He's a lightweight. Do you know how much he was going to cost us as well? It was something like seven million quid. 
for someone of his size. I just don't think he can cut it in the Premier League. No. He's no Cisco. <laughs> Fuck me. Although one thing that sort of is quite nice about that is that the fact we didn't sign Modric is that we then didn't have to watch us sell him for less than he was worth to another team. Not having the joy meant we didn't have the pain. I mean, that's one one thing that you've got to say is when we do have a talented player, which is not often under Mike Ashley, when we do tend to make a decent profit on them. Yeah. Mitrovic, Vinaldum, Sissoko, Dabucci, Although Mitrovic Kabai. Looks, Mitrovic looks like he was sold on the cheap now. Kabai was... Kabai being sold for less than he was worth is what did for Joe Kinnear second time around. Carroll's the one that stands out as a very yeah, good price. Yeah, Carroll. Yeah. We should move on but, to this Saturday, 3pm kickoff, Leicester at home. Yes. Thoughts? Uh, shit. You, you talk <laughs> about that. I'm just going to have a, a nice mouthful of refreshing Watney's Pale. Well, like Crystal Palace, they're a counter-attack side. Like Crystal Palace, they've got very good players up front. Um, they're sitting, was it like ninth in the table? They haven't had a, you know, an incredible start. I mean, they've, they've beaten Southampton away, but they've lost to Bournemouth and United. Uh, they've got, they've scored in every single game, um, which is a concern. Uh, yeah. They've got three wins, three losses. Uh, one thing, they do. They have had two red cards so far this season, so they're clearly an aggressive outfit. And given that we've got quite a high number of shit houses, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like Kennedy looked on the edge on Saturday towards the end. I thought he was going to get himself sent off. Yeah, Kennedy's Kennedy's got it in him. Shelby definitely's got it in him. Yeah. But also, Yed, Yedlin's an underrated shit house. Um, <laughs> I think. Um, Dummett's physical, Fernandez is physical, Lascelles is physical, um, Rondon, big lad, he's physical. I can see us putting it about a bit, and maybe it's not a red card for them, but if if are we still sponsored by Ladbrokes, or are we Watneys now? We're we're Watneys through and through. We're a Watneys. We're a Watneys, we're a Watneys pod crew. Yeah. Um, if you, if you check out the what what are the odds for there to be a high card index? Watney's aren't or, offering any any odds on this game. <laughs> <laughs> but um, check out the the odds for a red card. Check out the odds for a high number of you know the card index where a red card is worth X amount and the yellow is worth something else. Because I reckon there'll be quite a few red mm. and yellows. Well, quite a few yellows at least in this in this game coming up. This corresponding um, fixture last season, I think, had my highlight of the entire season. That spell of it felt like about fifty, but it was more like ten. Just really full blooded oh, challenges. Yeah. Do you remember? That was that was something special. I'd be happy. To, I'd be happy to see that again. Yeah, just just a replay of that. Yeah, but this is. I mean, yeah. So I think they'll score. I can't mm. see us scoring twice. Their front so, three looked very good at the weekend, but yeah. that was against Huddersfield. Like Huddersfield looked suicidal defensively. They're not <clears> going <throat> to get that sort of joy. My worry, no. I don't. Th- it's going to be a tough one for the crowd because I think people are expecting. Okay, we're at home against Leicester. We should be attacking, but 
that is the worst thing to do against such a strong counter-attacking team. Yeah. It's another, the, think, like the fixture list really isn't going for us at the moment where you want a sort of dominant display and the one team you don't want to do that against at the minute is this Leicester team. Yeah, you'd much rather, if you were to face a mid-table side in this fixture, you'd, you'd want it to be a Bournemouth, a Southampton, someone like that. I'd who, even rather Watford, I think, at home. Yeah, someone who prefers to pass the ball around, who play who don't play on the counter-attack because that's how we play and two counter-attack sides facing off each other ends up with being like what we saw against Crystal Palace. Um, we might be more adventurous, we might have more of the ball, we might be a bit, little bit more, um, I don't know, creative. Um, but I, th- I would expect like a 1-1 draw. I really do. And Yeah, I think a win's going to be very tough to come by in this, but... I swear, I th- I'm going to say 2 0 Leicester. Yeah, I, I I genuinely wouldn't I wouldn't bet against that. And if you want to have another bet, you go uh, Leicester win or draw, and you you won't get superb odds, but it's a pretty safe bet. Do you remember a time when we didn't used to push gambling and booze onto people? Simple well, times. hang on two minutes because I'm going to start talking about the benefits of Class A drugs. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think I afforded this house and that car? That's true. <laughs> Dave's the pusher. Yeah, we all suspected it. Yeah, it depends. Leicester, I think, have sort of tinkered with their starting eleven quite a bit as well, so it depends. They might sort of sabotage themselves rather than us. Doing them, but they're not going to have as easy a time as they had at the weekend. So, two nils a bit. Neg- I'm going to revise my prediction. I'm going to go one all, same as you. Well, do you know? Like, I don't know off the top of my head who they've got after after Ross. Um, if you hold on two seconds, I can find out. But it's like um, I'm not sure if they're playing they have- in the cup midweek this week as well. I'll tell you in a second because I don't think they've had a particularly daunting start I mean they definitely played like um, Bournemouth and Southampton uh, they've played uh, Liverpool Huddersfield um, Wolves so they haven't had a particular they are playing midweek they've got Wolves in midweek in the um, in the in the in the cup and then then they've got us and then after that um, who do they face sorry I should have checked this beforehand Jesus. but um after us, they're at home to Everton and then away to Arsenal. So they might have a tired squad from from facing Wolves because I think Leicester are a type of team that would fancy their chances against anybody in the yeah, cup. Yeah, I think let's hope so, for but, extra time. And no one likes to see a player get injured, but I'm willing to make exceptions. Yeah, but yeah, I think because um, after Everton, they've got there's a there's a big break after. After the Everton game, for them, it's it's like um, what? It's not the Leicester natter, Dave. It's the Newcastle natter. Let's move. No, on. no, I'm just I'm just wondering because if I don't know, like if if they had like Arsenal straight after the Everton game, maybe they would feel the weaker side against us, so that they got fresher legs for those two. But to be honest, after they play Everton, they've got a, uh, they've got a 16 day break by the looks of things. So um, uh-huh. there's only one more thing I wanted to talk about. 
you and me in the past week have both independently watched, I can't remember the name of it, the Bobby Robson documentary that's on Amazon. More Than a Manager. That's it. Good oh my God. God. If you've not seen it yet, do watch it. I mean, we were talking about the, remember the highlights from our own football in the past, but talk about highlights, that man. Yeah. And, and endlessly, like it, it seems to be a running theme for, for his career was that he was doing a good job and was shat upon by the people above him. So like, the, Barcelona, yeah. Real Madrid, uh, sorry, Real Madrid, Barcelona, sorry, and uh, at England, and certainly at Newcastle United. Yeah, like, and he always carried himself with dignity, and he always made sure that the the most vulnerable people under his care were given the most care. And the way Gascoigne speaks of him is heartbreaking. Yeah. Absolutely heartbreaking. One thing, um, I think it would have made for a worse documentary, but I do think they should have just said at the end, and they replaced him with Graham Souness. <laughs> that feels like a, <laughs> that's the thing I still can't get my head around. That's where the, the trajectory of the club went down and never recovered. But it's the missed opportunity that kills me. Yeah, because we we approached him to take over after Kevin Keegan, but yeah, instead of Hullet, and he, and was, he agreed, he and then yeah, he was all set to join us, but because he had a contract with Barcelona, and because it's Barcelona, he couldn't he couldn't turn us he couldn't like renege on that contract, completely unaware that the powers that be were already planning for him to be retired, planning for him to, to be moved upstairs. And if he'd known that, if he'd known that, I guarantee he would have taken over from Kevin Keegan. And if he'd taken over from Kevin, Kevin Keegan, I guarantee we would have seen some silverware in James's Park. Would it have been from Keegan or Dalglish? It was Keegan because it, um, it was January 1997. God. And Keegan quit. Um, like that would have been nice. Yeah, January January ninety seven. But do watch that documentary if you can. It is very very good. It's, yeah, it's available on. And Amazon. also, it had the news which I'd never realised. Pep Guardiola offered to come and play for us when Robson went there, and yeah. our squad was too big, so we didn't. Right, we should probably wrap uh, it up because this has been a bit of a monster. I know, but I'm making this sound about Robson again. Go and buy it. It's, on, it's available on Amazon. It's a DVD, a Blu-ray, and uh, if you've got Amazon Prime, you can download it straight to your, to your devices. Do it. Do it now. It's fucking amazing. Couldn't agree more. Right. Thank you very much, Dave Watson. Thank you, Paul Doohan. And thank you very much to you, the Natter listeners. Goodbye. Go and have a Watney's. <laughs> This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. The Newcastle Natter is back for the season by Labrooks. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.